I got a call from a baby Said she's fed up with me She says she's found another lover In another city She says she's doing fine In New Orleans <laughs> Welcome back to Sharkasm Radio. <clears throat> okay, I'm obviously going crazy. I don't have an intro song yet or anything like that. So when I was planning this episode, I just decided I'm going to just sing. Like, who cares? And also, it's kind of on topic because yo girl is officially on Spotify. Like, what? That's crazy. I've actually, I've been on iTunes since the creation of this podcast, but I don't listen to iTunes. Sorry, Apple, but I just don't. And I listen to Spotify almost every day of my life. And so to be on Spotify, well, for my podcast to be on Spotify is huge. And I just realized that it's officially on Spotify today. So this is a big day for me. So, yay. This is like a musical-themed podcast, I guess, now, because we're on Spotify. So this episode is going to be a story time. So this story time, this episode, is going to be about my recent trip to the Andes. So one of the reasons I haven't put out a podcast in a while is because I've been very, very, very stressed out and anxiety-filled about my trip that I got back from on Sunday. Um, and I'm also working on a big move. So all of those things put together meant that all of July for me was crazy. And yeah. So I'll tell you about my trip. It's going to be a little story time. Well, story, story, story time for y'all. Okay. So I planned, I started planning this trip with three other friends. I would say maybe six months ago. It's been a long time coming. And so last year I went to Cusco with my best friend, Ariana. She came from Florida and visited me in Lima. We hung out a bit here, but our main sort of trip was to go to Cusco, which is where Machu Picchu is. Basically there's a ton of other things to see, uh, but Machu Picchu is the main attraction that everybody knows and loves. So that's why I'm referencing it, even though I did not go this time. I went last year and it was beautiful and it was my first time and it was amazing. So this year uh, I planned with a few friends of mine to go back but to do a week-long trek in the Andes Mountains, specifically in a mountain range called Ausangate. So Ausangate is a mountain um, in the mountain range of the Andes, as I said, and it's about 100 kilometers southeast, I believe, of the city of Cusco. And uh, yeah, basically, the, I believe the peak of the mountain, the elevation is 6,300 or so meters, which is like 20,000 or about 20, 21,000 feet. Uh, and I had actually done the Rainbow Mountain with Ariana last year when we went to Cusco, but basically 
there's a shit ton of mountains. Um, El Sangate is one of them. The Rainbow Mountain is one, another one of them. There's a bunch. But the point of this trip was to do a five-day, four-night trek around El Sangate, which is one big mountain. So you pretty much start at one on one side of it and just walk all around it and it takes days and days and days to do that. It takes five days to do that, depending on what the route that the guide would like you to take. We got a recommendation for a tour company that was going to pretty much plan everything for us. And this is obviously something that you can do without a big tour guide company and you would obviously spend a little bit less money and stuff like that. But for me, it was 100% worth it to go with a guide and go with a big group that pretty much did everything. They provided tents, they provided every meal, snacks, everything, and the food was incredible. It was gourmet food, straight up. And they provided, they just like little things that we didn't have, they gave. So the only thing that we really needed to take was our clothes um, and a sleeping bag, um, some snacks just in case we wanted extra for some reason, a backpack, things like, like things that they can't really give us, we had to take obviously, mostly clothes and whatever other extras we saw fit. For example, <laughs> for example, I purchased a plastic dick. No, just kidding, a rubber dick. No, it wasn't a dildo. It's basically a camping like female urination device. <laughs> that you can buy and it's something you put up against your vagina and you pee and it comes out of a little hole and it's like a little spout and it's supposed to replicate a penis so it's supposed to help women urinate outside or if they want to urinate standing up over a toilet or something you can do it um, <laughs> I actually bought one and uh, I I tried to use it but it, it didn't really work out I couldn't stop laughing so I actually couldn't pee <laughs> but I have it in my possession. So things like that is are, are the things that we needed to just bring ourselves. So we arrived on a Saturday to the city of Cusco and then they picked us up from the hotel we were staying at Sunday in the middle of the night. Well, no, it was or actually ended up being at five in the morning, which wasn't that bad. So the first thing that really shocked me, not shocked me about Cusco because I knew, but just that was kind of uncomfortable for me was the cold. Uh, it was really cold when we got there. And of course, it's cold in Lima right now, but the cold in Cusco was crazy. Um, but the good thing about Cusco, which Lima is lacking, is sun during the winter. So when it's cold there, it's still sunny usually during the day. Really freaking sunny. Um, but in Lima, the sun kind of hides for a good six months. <laughs> and it'll, you know, it comes, it surfaces every now and then, but mostly it's gray in Lima. But Cusco is awesome and sunny all the time and gorgeous. It's just cold at night. So we arrived in Cusco, we ate, we actually tried to eat really light just to uh, be good for the next day. We were picked up at 5 a.m. and we started our three-hour bus ride. You have breakfast and then you start walking and that's like your starting point. And our guides basically gave us a little rundown of what was going to happen that day, how everything was going to go, what we needed to take with us in our backpacks we were going to be carrying on our backs while we walked, and what we could leave with the horses and donkeys that were going to carry the rest of this stuff. Things like that. And what was really cool was that they also, they kind of went over with us how to breathe, because 
One thing about altitude is that you really need to have your breathing together or else you're fucked. Um, so pretty much telling us that we need to breathe really deep um, through our noses and exhale, like do a controlled exhale through our mouths. And when he was going over that with me, I was instantly a little worried because I am like chronically, I have chronic allergies and things like that. So I rarely breathe through my nose. Um, so that was really hard for me to get used to. And I pretty much was blowing my nose all day. It was super sexy. He was telling us about breathing and the importance of that and how to do it and, and the techniques that he wanted to share with us. And then we pretty much got started. Day one was a really short, maybe three, three and a half hour walk. And after the walk, we got to our first night's campsite. And we had we arrived pretty early. We probably arrived by like two. I vividly remember it being very, very sunny right when we got there. So it was amazing because of course it's super cold, but the sun really does help, obviously. So me and my friend Francesca just collapsed on the floor as soon as we got to the campsite and basked in the sun for, I don't know, about an hour. We just passed out on the floor, <laughs> like straight up on the ground. And I just passed out. We passed out on the ground and it was amazing. It was glorious. And yeah, then we ate lunch and then we hung out more and then we ate dinner. We had coca leaf tea. It was amazing. So the first day, like I said, was pretty chill walking wise and activity wise, which is good. I know that they purposely try to do that. But what happened and what ended up happening that really fucked me up was that I could not sleep all night. And I don't know if it was a mix of the altitude and the cold and the fact that I don't never really slept in a tent other than at Bonnaroo. <laughs> and I was not really sober then so that's different but yeah it was I didn't sleep at all that night um Francesca and I were in a tent together and we could not sleep we were both tossing and turning all night and we went to sleep pretty early I think around like nine it was a horrible night of sleep a lack of sleep and we ended up waking up in the morning feeling like I mean, I can't speak for Francesca, but I'm pretty sure she felt the same as me, which is like insane, like hangover without having done anything, uh, which I've never felt. I just felt so tired. I felt like I couldn't function. And Francesca and I looked at each other and we, we both were like, we can't do this. Like, there's no way. It was just, I'm sure many can relate that when you have a shitty night's sleep, you cannot function. And that's how I felt. So with the altitude sickness that we felt and with the extreme extreme cold that we were feeling francesca and i both looked at each other and just said we can't do this or not that we can't we we could we know we could we just didn't want to it was one of those things where you just you know you can do it you know your body is strong enough to do it and withstand and you'll get through it but you just don't want to so we called the guide over and we told him we said we can't we don't want to do this we want to go back um and it's better to go back now than on day three or four we told him and he wasn't shocked it seemed like something that many people have said before to him but he did you know try to tell us no like just give it a chance come outside like when the sun comes out you're gonna feel better and you'll see like it'll get better every night and you'll sleep better tonight and all this stuff you just have to get acclimated blah 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 and we just didn't want to hear it we were like being super stubborn and we were like <laughs> we just want to go to sleep we must alone like go away bro um but basically after a few hours of convincing i decided to stay 
um, mostly because I had already spent so much money and I had taken vacation days and I just couldn't even imagine what I would do with my life if I didn't do it. <laughs> and also the fact that I just knew if I did do it, that I would be much better off. I would be a lot happier. I'd feel good. I would, I would feel better than if I decided not to. So I stayed and Francesca ended up leaving, which is good because she didn't really feel good the next few days either. Um, but I stayed. So I stayed with our two other friends and we finished the trek. And yeah, I guess I can, I don't want to go through every second of every day, obviously, but I want to share some anecdotes. So first off, I definitely want to recommend the tour operator that we used. The name is Santu Tour Operator. You can follow them on Facebook and all that. And really it was, they provided us with great service. Um, not only was the food insanely incredible, but everybody that worked with them, the main guide that was with us the entire time and the crew that he had, which was the chefs and everybody helping us along the way, they were all awesome. They really were. And Danny, who's our guide, was telling us um, that the whole tour operation sort of thing in the Andes is relatively new. And there's still a lot of people that are continuously learning how to provide the best service for these you know, different tours that they provide. And he was telling us that what they did was go to, you know, spend a good amount of time in the Alps and in other, you know, countries with similar like mountain ranges. And they learned from them who have been doing the same sort of tours for a lot longer. And they sort of recreated what they do over there, which has been working and which has been thriving for such a long time. So they learned about how to feed people um, really, really good food because they don't just give you like sandwiches and Ziplocs and like bags of peanuts you know it's it's really really good food like gourmet food that they gave us every single meal <laughs> and it was awesome and um so they learned a lot from other tour companies other tour guides other practices all those things and they brought all of those practices back to peru with them and that's how they've been able to really perfect the art of tour operating <laughs> and like i said it's it's possible to do it by yourself, but the stress that it has, I mean, even going with a tour operator is kind of stressful because you have to mentally prepare, but it's not as physically stressful or like you don't have to, you don't really don't have to do much planning when you have somebody, when you hire somebody. So I was very glad to spend the money to do that and to put everything in their hands basically. And I am so glad that we did because it ended up being amazing. So yeah, Santu tour operator, look them up. They're awesome and they're based out of Cusco. I would say the hardest day was day three, which is when we, I think we walked like 20 kilometers or so. And day three was the day that we were going to go up and down the mountain through snow. And I've never, ever done anything like that. I've never gone skiing. I've never gone snowboarding. The extent that I've seen snow was once when I went to Chicago in like 2012 or 11. And I was so naive and innocent to snow and how to even deal with it that I, I remember going, I didn't even have snow boots or any sort of cold appropriate shoes or boots. I had these like 
shitty boots that I bought for like $15 at the mall. <laughs> and I walked through snow with them, I remember, in Chicago. And my feet were soaking wet. And I hated my life. So this was really the first time that I've had to like, that I've really experienced snow and been prepared. And, you know, I had my boots and everything was great. But it was really hard. They had been preparing us mentally for it. They said, you know, it's going to be really hard. Day three and four are going to be really hard. On day two, we got to our campsite at the end of the walk, which was, I think, 15 kilometers that day. At the end of the day, we got to the campsite and we were just talking about like how the next day was going to be and preparing. And I remember the morning of day three. So before we were going to actually start our trek for the day, I was freaking out internally. I, and even thinking about it now is like making my heart race. Um, but yeah, I was just so terrified. I realized during this trip that my anxiety is a lot worse than I thought, than I previously thought. Um, because I've, I've always lived in places that are really loud, you know, like big cities. I've always been surrounded by noise you know even here I'm sure you guys can hear the uh the noise in the background because I live near <clears throat> I live near a big street but I feel like being in the mountains and being in the quiet like in the complete complete quiet made my anxiety louder in my head I don't know if that makes sense but that's how I that's how it makes sense to me but like but being being in the city surrounded by noise all the time and people, you kind of, your anxious thoughts sort of blend in with the background noise. But being in the mountains really made me, made me listen to my thoughts. And I, all I could think was, you're fucking crazy, bitch. Like, calm down. I was thinking a mile a minute. I was thinking about the dumbest things, just thinking of unlikely situations and convinced that they would happen. I was terrified that I would fall off of the horse because there were there were several moments where I had to hop on the horse because I couldn't walk anymore or I couldn't breathe while walking, pretty much. And I, you know, in the moment where you're on a horse and you're supposed to feel safe and like you can rest for a little bit, my heart was racing then even. And I kept thinking, oh my God, this horse is going to kick me off and I'm going to land on a, on a rock. I'm going to hit my head on a rock. I'm going to die. I'm going to fall off this mountain. The horse is going to fall on me and smush me. I'm going to break a leg. Like I was thinking a million crazy things that were going to happen. And so much so that on the second day I was on the horse for a little bit and I guess I wasn't used to how he walked over like rocks or something. And I thought he was falling. So I jumped off of him like I clean just jumped off of the horse and everybody was so confused they're like what happened and I just said I don't know I just got scared and I jumped off of him it was wild um so the morning of day three like I said I woke up with a lot of anxiety I was we were eating breakfast and I couldn't even eat I was just my stomach was in knots and I just I remember telling my friend I was like I'm really fucking scared and he was like, why? And I just said, well, I don't, I feel like I'm going to die. <laughs> and like, that's not, I don't know. Like, that's not something I want to think, you know, that's not something I should think. It's not good to go into a situation like that. So I recognized that those thoughts were not going to do me any good. And I recognized that that energy is not going to bring anything productive or beautiful into my day. So what I did was I, I walked to, there was a little river that went through our campsite. So I sat down next to the river and I tried calming myself down 
and I looked at the water and you know water is very calming and peaceful and even the sound made me feel a little bit better and I sat down and I just started crying <laughs> I started crying really really hard I started bawling and I decided that I couldn't go into the situation in the state that I was in but of course I had to you know I had to continue I had to go on I couldn't just not do it so I told myself or I came up with a mantra that I decided I I didn't even decide I just started repeating it and repeating it and I ended up repeating it throughout the entire trip when I was walking through any sort of sketchy areas where I got anxiety and felt like something bad would happen the entire time I was on the horse I would repeat it and the mantra was as follows I am strong I will do this if I fall I'll get back up so I repeated that over and over again like I said and that's honestly I think one thing that really saved me because I if I didn't have that I would have just been going crazy the entire time so I used it to my advantage and I got through it you know day three really was the hardest but I had set it up in my head to be this insane situation that it wasn't at all I thought I was I thought it was gonna be a situation where if I slipped even a little bit I would completely fall off the mountain and be dead but of course just like a lot of things in life a lot of things that you think are going to be insane and scary end up not being so scary at the end you know when you actually face them so I got through that day and I cried. <laughs> I cried while I was walking because it's crazy to build something up so bad and so gigantic in your head and then to finally get there and finish it. Oh, it was incredible. So that was day three. Day four was also pretty hard. Um, it wasn't as much um, scary ups and downs, but really the entire trek was very, very, very demanding not only physically I think more mentally than physically because physically I had been preparing for it and training for months and months so I knew physically I could do it but really there's the, the things that you can't really help are the things that are the hardest which is number one the altitude because the altitude makes it so that you really can't breathe because there were moments where I had to walk five steps and then take deep breaths and then keep walking and it's just it's really hard to manage that, especially I feel something that I learned from yoga years ago is that we don't breathe properly. We don't give attention to our breath nearly as much as we should. We are used to little breaths here and there and like panting and, you know, breathing between when we talk. But really, we need to. and not just, you know, and, and that really affects your brain even, you know, if you're not getting proper oxygen to your brain, you're, you're not feeding your body. That's one thing that I really learned to value again is breathing and proper breathing and, and oxygenating ourselves for sure, because we take it, we take advantage of that so much. At the end of the day though, I really, no matter how difficult it was for me to get through it, it was the most rewarding thing I've ever done. And I think it was even more rewarding because I didn't want to do it. There, you know, I, I mentioned that there was a point where I just really didn't want to freaking do it. And actually doing it 
made me feel so much better at the end. And I knew it would, and that's why I decided to stick with it. But it was really hard to make that decision because I was sort of going back and forth between saying, yes, I should do it, and then also saying, well, if I don't want to do it, why should I do it, you know? Because I I sort of fall back on that thought a lot when I don't want to do something. I'm always, like, I'll oftentimes say, well, if I really don't want to do something, like, why should I do it, you know? Like, I only want to do things that I really want to do. Like, why do I want to make my, yeah, all those thoughts that that limit us as people, you know? and make us question our ability to do things and that's really all out of fear everything is out of fear you know I was obviously scared of dying and never seeing my mom again like I just I was having all of these crazy thoughts like if you're a random person listening right now I probably thought of you even like I was thinking of so many people I was thinking what if my mom died yesterday and I because I was I was so disconnected you know we didn't have any any cell service for five days and I was completely disconnected and I was having these thoughts of oh what if my mom died and I'm not going to know until tomorrow and what if I know tomorrow and then I'm going to find out and I'm going to freak out and what if my dad's dead what if my brother's dead what if my friend's dead what if this person's dead what if I die all these fucking fearful thoughts that I had (laughs) it was crazy and that's what I'm saying is why I value and I am so grateful and so blessed by that experience that I was able to disconnect be completely quiet and mostly alone for five days and understand and bring forth the awareness that I have so many anxiety-filled thoughts, the awareness that it brought to me that I have really bad anxiety and that I and that I let fear dictate everything, you know? And I'm so blessed by this experience because I've learned and I've been able to see and open my eyes to the fact that fear dictates almost every decision I make. And Of course, it's something that we all know. Everybody fears things. Everybody's scared of things. But to really sort of be able to step back and look at yourself and say, you need to chill out and you need to be more peaceful and need to give yourself more credit and need to really believe that you're strong because you are. That was priceless and worth every second of freezing cold and altitude headaches and nausea because I definitely vomited. (laughs) But it was so worth it. It was incredible. And I definitely, it was crazy because at the end of the trip, when I finally did have my phone in hand with service and I kept getting all my messages coming through from the previous week, I really, I didn't want to talk to anyone, you know? Like, of course, I immediately called my mother and I made sure she was alive. (laughs) But really, I, I looked, I remember looking at my phone and seeing even the font of the text on WhatsApp, which is the app that I use the most to talk to people. I remember looking at it and it looking so foreign and loving the fact that I that it looked so foreign, you know? I just I really loved being disconnected and I didn't think I would and I didn't really value it while I was disconnected. Well, I did. I did at the end. I didn't really in the beginning because I was freaking out about everything. But at the end and even now I I really do value that the quiet and the disconnection it's just incredible and i i would love to be able to do that once a year it was so so beautiful detoxifying and honestly doing something that you're terrified of doing i don't know that feeling is insane so i guess my next my next adventure is going to be some sort of underwater adventure because i'm really really terrified of being underwater and of the sea but anyway yeah 
So I wanted to read something, just a little anecdote. So the guide that we had, Danny, who I mentioned is awesome. He is super into the Incas and knows so much about the Andes and the Andean people. He taught us how to chew on coca leaves, which is really good for altitude. Even when you go into the Cusco airport, as you're getting out of the terminal, when you arrive, there's huge baskets with coca leaves because it is what they use in the mountains to alleviate the altitude sickness that you may have. And he taught us how to do that, and he taught us that you have to offer it to the Pachamama before you actually put it in your mouth. Pachamama is Mother Earth, and it was awesome. And he, so he was telling us about a book that he was reading that I wanted to share with you guys. Um, and I actually took a picture of the page of the book because I wanted to share it and read it. So I'm going to read it in Spanish, and then I'll kind of tell you guys what it's about and what he told us about it. Nací en Queros, provincia de Paucartambo, departamento de Cusco, Perú. Vengo de una tradición de sacerdotes andinos llamados Pacocuna y recibí la enseñanza del linaje de mis ancestros. Solo haber nacido a 5.500 metros sobre el nivel del mar, el pueblo de los elegidos es todo un ritual. Cuando nacen los niños los someten a una prueba física, poniéndolos por tres minutos en abuelada. Si sobrevives, es una fiesta, y si no sobrevives, es otra fiesta. Allá todo es perfecto. So, what this guy is saying is that he was born in a province of Cusco, and the tradition, the Andean tradition, basically, uh, of his ancestors is what follows. So, he mentions that when you're born... 5,500 meters above sea level in the chosen village, everything is a ritual. So when a child is born in the village, they are submerged immediately in water as sort of a physical test. Um, and if they are able to survive three minutes under the ice cold water, it's a party. And if they don't survive, it's another party. It's a different kind of party. Because over there, everything is perfect to them. So when Danny, our guide, had read that to us and told us about it, we were all like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know? But he explained to us that in the mountains, I mean, everything's different there. And like the book says, everything's perfect there. They don't mourn really death like that. They submerge the children, the newborn children underwater because their belief is that if the child doesn't survive in that first physical test of their lives, they're not going to survive the rest of their lives in the mountain. If they do survive, that means they are fit to live in the mountains. They basically believe that if the child doesn't survive that first test, they're not going to survive anyway. At some point, they're going to they're gonna die anyway, so they rather just cut it out, I guess, in the beginning to not make the child suffer. It probably sounds crazy to all of us, but they're actually really peaceful people and it's a beautiful, beautiful thing to witness. Of course, I didn't witness this newborn baby bath situation, but I can imagine it is insane. That's gonna be it for this episode. I really wanted to just get the story time out and share a little bit of my adventure and mostly to share the moral of this story and most stories as of late, to be honest, is that fear dictates everything and we cannot let it continue to do so because we 
limit the things that we think we're capable of and in turn we limit the things that we do and that we are capable of because if you don't believe you're capable of something you just won't be that's it so i hope this story helps you guys if you have if you're ever in a moment of crippling fear just remember that you know what's the worst that can happen and if you if you think of something that's bad that's gonna happen just remember that you're probably inviting that energy into your reality so the best thing you can do is just face fear face first (laughs) and punch it in the face kick it in the balls and just do what you got to do if you really if you know something's going to make you happy and make you feel good don't let fear limit your actions because you're going to regret it probably i don't know you tell me I want to give a special shout out to North Face for sponsoring this episode. No, just kidding. Um, Definitely not. I'm a Columbia gal. Um, No, but really, thank you guys a lot for pushing me to keep doing these episodes, staying on my ass about it, telling me what you want to hear, giving me feedback, all that stuff. You guys are amazing. You're the reason I wake up in the morning. You're the reason I got to sleep so basically at night. Anyway, so that's it. That's it for this episode. I love you guys. I don't know how many times I'm going to say it in this episode. I, if I had a dollar every time I said it, I'd be rich, bitch. I guess I should just play the harmonica again. So this song is going to be my interpretation of how I felt before my panic attack on day three of my trip and how I felt after I finished it. So it's going to be a progressive song, as they usually are. Stay tuned. We did it. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. Have a great rest of the week. <laughs>